Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to Undiet Academy podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holderness. I am a weight loss nutritionist turned counselor, and I'm here to help you call BS on diet culture. I'm going to show you how to live your happiest, healthiest, most aligned life without food restrictions, emotional eating, binge eating, all or nothing mindset, and self-sabotage. I'm going to show you some really important nutrition concepts, counseling theories, mindset tips and tools, and show you how to reconnect and create a really beautiful nurturing relationship with your body. I can't wait to share all of this with you in the Undiet Academy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Before we begin this episode, it's really important for me to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which I am recording this episode. For me, that is the Cubby Cubby and the Yuggera people. I pay my deepest respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome back to Undiet Academy. I'm so excited for today's episode. We are talking all things research on weight loss. Now, you'll have to excuse my voice is still a bit croaky. I was sick for a couple of weeks. Um, I haven't been sick, I think, in about a year, if I remember correctly. And my voice took a long time to <laughs> come back and to stop coughing. Um, but we're here. So if I get a bit croaky, you know why. But today I want to talk through all things research and what it shows us about losing weight and dieting. Now in, I believe it was December last year, I conducted a uh, free presentation, um, a webinar where I spoke about life after diets. And I spoke about some of the really uh, popular research that's been done on dieting and what it's shown us. So I'm gonna talk you through a bit about that today. If you would like access to the whole presentation that I did previously, then um, I will link it in the show notes because it was a really, really great presentation and we spoke into a lot of different factors. Now, there's two parts um, of research that we need to consider here. Um, and a part of that came from, and this is where I started really looking into the research, is that there's been a lot of research that's shown how unsuccessful dieting actually is. And this has been, there's a range of different studies that have shown anywhere up to, 90 to um, 80 to 95% of diets are ineffective. And by ineffective, it means they haven't resulted in substantial and sustainable weight loss. And sustainable weight loss is classified as maintaining that weight loss for a period of 12 months or more. So if you lost weight on the diet, but then you gained it back within 12 months, it's deemed ineffective. And if you have a look at your history of weight loss, I wonder whether that has also been the case for you. And I want to pose the question that if your doctor told you a medication was only like 5 to 20% effective to lose weight, and the side effects might include things like disordered eating behaviors, binge and restrict cycles, body shame, body hate, rigid food rules, restrictions, um, poorer energy and worse health. Is that something that you would risk for a, a maximum of a 20% um, success rate? Because that's essentially what dieting has created for us. Now, the two reasons for this are the psychological reasons. So what's happening mentally in our mind and physiological reasons as well. So physiological meaning what's happening physiologically in our body. And those are the two factors that we have to take into consideration and they both interlink with each other. Now, about 40 years ago, there was a study conducted um, 
that was investigating why diets actually failed. And it's referred to as the milkshake study. It was done in 1975. So yeah, quite a long time ago. So this is stuff that we've known for a long time. In the experiment, the researchers um, administered something called a restraint scale. So it's a questionnaire to determine who the dieters were, also known as restrainers in the study, and who the what was considered normal eating eaters were. They then had the subjects participate in what they believed was an ice cream tasting, where they had to rate the different ice cream flavors. And they were given either one milkshake to preload, two milkshakes to preload, or no milkshakes to preload. So they either had one milkshake, two milkshakes, or no milkshakes. And then they were told to eat as much ice cream as they wanted or needed and rate the ice creams. What, what, what you would expect is that the more milkshakes a person consumed, the less ice cream they would eat because you would presume that they would be already full. But that is the absolute opposite of what happened. What they actually found was those who were uh, more highly restrained, so meaning they were more engaged in dieting behaviors, ate more ice cream the more, ice, the more milkshakes that they'd had before they started tasting. So the more milkshakes they had, the more ice creams they had. The hypothesis of this was that um, dieters who constantly restrain their intake tend to become what's called disinhabited after they break their what's called diet boundary. So it's like the, the fuck it mode. Um, and this study then triggered many more research, um, years of research into cognitive restraint and the negative consequences, binge eating being one of them. And what was interesting in this study is that those who were classified as non-dieters ate less ice cream the more milkshakes they consumed, which is what we would normally expect. Now, what this shows um, is that when we mentally, so that's why it's called cognitive restraint, when we mentally put a restraint on ourselves, the, the more controlled that restraint is, uh, the more likely we are to go into fuck it mode after we've kind of reached that restraint level. So once we get past a certain level of fullness, for example, once we get past whatever our diet boundary is, um, so like I'll just eat one row of chocolate and then if we eat two row, rows, then it becomes the whole block, for example. And that's really, really important to take into consideration is the more you restrict and restrain yourself, uh, the more likely you are to then binge eat or overindulge. Um, now, the other um, research that is really important to know is called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment. Now, in the Minnesota Starvation Experiment, what happened, this was conducted for, I believe it was World War II, and what the researchers wanted to test was how little food people could get away with and still survive, so that they knew, knew how much food to put into the ration packs. And what they did is they took a bunch of men um, and they put them on a maintenance diet of three and a half thousand calories and then they dropped them straight down to 1700 calories now a lot of modern day diets actually encourage you to be a lot lower than 1700 calories and this research will actually show you how dangerous this is these men who were placed on on 1700 calories they noticed very quickly that they had big temperamental changes uh, they became more short-tempered, they argued more, they were more food-focused, so they were asking a lot more often uh, when they would get food and things like that. And one of the participants actually had to be kicked out because he was caught raiding the bin for food scraps because he was that food-focused. 
Now that was a drop down to 1700 calories, right? <laughs> and, and it created such terrible effects on the men, their happiness levels dropped, um, they were food focused. And if you have a look at your, your, your mindset and your energy since starting dieting, are those things that you've experienced? Because they're definitely things that I have and they're definitely things I see really often with my clients as well. Now, what was even more interesting about the Minnesota starvation experiment is that years later, and I think it was about two years later, they did a follow-up and most of the participants, if not all, were actually still engaging in um, binge eating cycles. So they were still engaged in binge and restrict cycles from that process of having their food restricted. Um, and I, if I remember rightly, none of them actually ended up with a healthy food relationship from there. So that goes to show mentally what can happen when we're depleted of food. And I think that's really, really important to take into consideration. Now I'm going to talk through the physiological research on uh, dieting and weight loss. Had a bit of a mind blank. My throat's starting to get dry. <laughs> so I'll try and get this all out before I start coughing. But the first one I want to talk through here is called the twin study. Um, so the twin studies were conducted in 2012. So a little bit more recent <laughs> than the previous two research studies. Um, but what the twin studies did is they found that those who engaged in intentional weight loss had a greater risk of obesity and higher BMIs than those who didn't enter into intentional weight loss, even with similar predictability factors and weight height statistics. So they studied twins for many, many years, um, and they looked at twins who had um, a variety of different predictability factors for obesity, um, for weight loss and health and things like that. And... Um, they found that twins who had more frequent intentional weight loss attempts gained more weight than twins who did not. So if you have twin A um, and twin B, because they came, come from the same parents, um, they were raised in the same household, they were born the same weight and height, um, for example, then one of them engaged in frequent intentional weight loss and one did not. In every um, twin that they studied, the, the twin that engaged in frequent, frequent intentional weight loss ended up gaining more weight than the twin who didn't. Now, what does that show us about um, dieting and weight loss? That, that's a lot, right? And the next one I want to talk through is um, weight uh, research that was conducted on The Biggest Loser. Now, the update to this research was published uh, just last year in uh, 2022. And it found that most of the competitors gained back two thirds of the weight that they lost, but their metabolic rate, so metabolic rate being um, the energy at which you expend every single day, decreased significantly by 500 to 800 calories at maintenance level. So what this means is they had to eat significantly less calories to maintain almost the same weight as they had prior to the show. And this is called uh, metabolic adaption. So our body actually adapts to lower calorie intakes. So we're looking at dieting that has been shown to make us gain more weight, decrease our maintenance level of calorie intake, um, and make us feel way worse and more engaged in binge and restrict behavior. 
I don't know about you. <laughs> a lot of that sounds really familiar and it also doesn't sound very productive in any way whatsoever. And so you might be asking then, okay, so what is the solution from here? What is, what do I do? You know, I know I need to get healthier and society told me that to get healthier, I have to lose weight. Um, but now you're telling me, Sean, that you shouldn't lose weight because it makes you unhealthier. So what the hell am I to do? This is where I believe developing really solid health pillars comes into play. So we're not looking at weight loss, we're not measuring weight, we're not taking measurements, we're not doing any of those things. What we're doing is creating really solid pillars of health. So actions and behaviors um, and thought processes that we know contribute to optimal health in the long run that have nothing to do with your weight. You may lose weight in the process, you may not. That's not something that I measure or particularly care about because science has shown us that caring about those things is really, really detrimental. So if we're changing behaviors based on what's going to lose the most weight, we're actually not doing what's most effective for you to uh, have the, the most optimal health. And it's optimal health that I really care about. Uh, and it's those kind of behaviors that actually show us that you're more inclined to have better health outcomes rather than dieting and attempting weight loss. I hope this was really, really helpful for you and I imagine it was probably a bit of an eye opener as well. Uh, I will link the full presentation in the show notes for you uh, because I spoke for about, I think it was like 90 minutes and we went through so much information in that webinar. So I'd love for you to have access to that for free. And if you have any questions, feel free to let me know. I am hosting over in Self Honor School, which is my free Facebook community. Uh, this week, just yesterday, actually, I hosted a Q&A while I was cooking. So I was making butter chicken uh, ready for dinner that night and I spoke through the whole process as I was making it. But I was also there to answer any questions and we spoke a lot about um, food and balancing meals and all those kind of things. So it was a really great chat. You can head over to Self Honor School. Uh, link again is in the show notes and replay that or make sure that you catch us for the next one next week i would love to have you there and it's a great opportunity to pick my brain and ask me any kinds of questions that you have um and yeah i'd love to see you there otherwise i will chat to you next time please let me know by leaving me a review or sharing this with your friends. It's so important for me to get this information out to those that need to hear it. So your feedback means the absolute world to me. And also if you have any topic requests, hit me up with them too.